join me in the call to worship. People of God, let us gather to worship and praise God's name. For great is God's steadfast love for us. God has delivered us from the depths. Let us worship God.
let us turn and return to the God who already knows us completely and yet waits for our approach in order to offer us forgiveness, grace, and healing. Let us pray using the prayer in our bulletins. Infinite God, you have set us in your creation, full of wonder and surprises. You whisper to us that you made humanity in your image, an image too vast to be contained in one race, gender, culture, or creed. Yet we try to limit you. We try to force your expansive self into a form we find familiar. We diminish you into an idol we hold to comfort ourselves. We distance ourselves from you as we dismiss the experiences of others. Forgive us. Open our hearts as wide as your own. Challenge us with the truth of your image, reflected in bodies and spirits we never imagined could be yours. Amen. The God of mercy desires the well-being of all people and creatures. God gives life and makes new what is old. In the name of the God who rose up from the grave, your sins are forgiven. Walk in the way of faith that you may have abundance and joy. Friends, believe the good news. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. As we prepare our hearts to share a sign of Christ's peace with each other, I invite those of you who are worshiping with us online to share your presence with us by filling out the online pew pad using the QR code or the link below the video on your screen. The peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Let us share a sign of that peace, peace with each other. Well, good morning and welcome to worship here at Fourth Presbyterian Church. Today we are delighted to welcome our guest preacher, Slats Tool. Reverend Shannon Kirshner invited Slats early this year to be with us on this day, and we're delighted the day has come. Slats is the co-moderator of the Covenant Network, an organization of which our pastor emeritus, Reverend John Buchanan, was a founding co-moderator. And our own pastor, Reverend Lucy Forster-Smith, currently serves on the board as well. The Covenant Network continues to work for an equity that is not fully realized for LGBTQIA people in our church and society. 
In addition to the Covenant Network, Fourth Church is also a member of the Chicago Coalition of Welcoming Churches, which marches in the Chicago Gay Pride Parade on the last Sunday of June. Hundreds of thousands of people witness this parade, and our presence walking with other churches in Chicago makes a meaningful proclamation of God's love for all people and our commitment to welcome all people in this church. So I invite you to check your bulletins to find out how you could participate in that if you would like. June is a month of celebrations, and next week in worship, we will lift up Juneteenth, which was made a federal holiday in 2021. June 19th marks the day when in 1865, months after the end of the Civil War and after the liberation of enslaved persons in our country, word finally reached Texas that slavery had been abolished. This was the last place to hear and to liberate those who had been held in bondage, Juneteenth, Freedom Day. People have been celebrating it for 158 years, but some of us are just learning about it now. So go ahead and look that up if you're one who's just learning about it, and join us next week for a celebratory worship service. If you have received a church census form in the mail, we remind you to fill that out by this coming Thursday, June 15th. Your participation in the census will help us paint a picture of who Fourth Church is today, and it will provide information that will help us strengthen connections within the community and shape our long-range planning. After today's service, you can pray with deacons in the Stone Chapel where they will be waiting to greet you and hear your prayers of concern or celebration. There will be coffee hour through the doors to your left and people there to assist you at the connection corner. And if you're a person who likes to smile and who has a little love to give, I invite you to consider being a cookie table host at coffee hour. This is a great way to meet people, to share your kindness, and to help people feel welcome here at the church. That is one way to serve among many ways, many ways to be involved in the life and ministry of the church. So do check your bulletins for lots of opportunities, upcoming events, activities, and ways to get involved. And now let's continue in our worship by celebrating the sacrament of baptism. Friends, obeying the word of our Lord Jesus and confident in his promises, we baptize all those whom God has called and we give particular thanks this morning for these beloveds as they gather to be baptized this day. In baptism, God claims us and seals us to show that we belong to God. God frees us from sin and death, uniting us with Christ. And by water and the Holy Spirit, we are made members of the church, the body of Christ, and joined to Christ's ministry of love, peace, and justice. 
So let us remember with joy our own baptisms as we celebrate this sacrament. So parents and Gabby, will you please stand as you answer these questions? Gabby, as you're joining by profession of faith, I will start with you and ask you and then the parents and you and then the parents, okay? So Gabby, do you desire to be baptized, do you? And parents, do you desire that your, children's be, your children be baptized, do you? And Gabby, do you confess your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and do you trust in him? And parents, do you confess your own faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and do you trust in him, do you? And Gabby, relying on God's grace, do you intend to be Christ's disciple, to obey God's living word, and to show God's love, do you? And parents, do you intend your children to be Christ's disciples, to obey God's living word, and to show God's love, do you? Yes. Amen. Thank you. And now Jessica Wong, who's a member of our church's session, has a question for the entire congregation. In our Presbyterian tradition, the congregation as a whole takes responsibility for nurturing those baptized into the life of the church. Do you, as members of the Church of Jesus Christ, promise to guide and nurture these children by word and deed, with love and prayer, encouraging them to know and follow Christ and to be faithful members of Christ's church? If so, please say, we do. Let us pray. We give you thanks, eternal God, for you nourish and sustain all living things by the gift of water. In the beginning of time, your spirit moved over the watery chaos, calling forth order and life. In the waters of the Jordan, Jesus was baptized by John and anointed with your spirit. By the baptism of his own death and resurrection, Christ set us free from sin and death and open the way to eternal life. Gracious God, we now pray that you pour out your Holy Spirit upon us and upon this water, that this font may be a place of new birth. May all who now pass through these waters be delivered from death to life, from bondage to freedom, from sin to righteousness, Strengthen them to serve you with joy until the day you make all things new. And to you be all praise, honor, and glory through Jesus Christ, our Savior, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns forever. Amen. Brian and Chelsea Humphrey present their child, Charlotte Blake, for baptism. Charlotte. Hello, Charlotte. Charlotte, I baptize you in the name of God the Father, and of God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Child of the covenant, you are sealed in baptism by the Holy Spirit and marked as Christ's own forever. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Beautiful. Thank you. Drew and Katie Marr present their children, Easton Jeffrey and Everly Grace, for baptism. Hi, Easton. Easton, I baptize you in the name of God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. 
child of the covenant, you are sealed in baptism by the Holy Spirit and marked as Christ's own forever. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Everly. Everly, I baptize you in the name of God the Father and of God the Son and of God the Holy Spirit. Child of the covenant, you are sealed in baptism by the Holy Spirit and marked as Christ's own forever. Oh, amen. Michael and Margaret Pregler present their child, Henry Reese, for baptism. Henry. Henry, I baptize you in the name of God the Father and of God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. Child of the covenant, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit in baptism and marked as Christ's own forever. Amen. Nathan Scholes and Laura Perquette present their child, Aaron Patrick, for baptism. Would the sponsors please stand? Hi, Aaron. Aaron, I baptize you in the name of God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. Child of the covenant, you are sealed in baptism by the Holy Spirit and marked as Christ's own forever. Amen. Michael and Laura Whittington present their child, Parker Margaret, for baptism. Would the sponsors please stand? Margaret, hi. I baptize you in the name of God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. Child of the covenant, you are sealed in baptism by the Holy Spirit and marked as Christ's own forever. Amen. Gabby. I don't have her name, Gabby. Okay, yes. And Gabby. Gabrielle. Welcome. Gabby, take one step here. Gabby, I baptize you in the name of God the Father, and of God the Son, and of God the Holy Spirit. Child of the covenant, you are sealed in baptism by the Holy Spirit and marked as Christ's own forever. Amen. These are the newest members of our church. Let us give a sign of thanksgiving and welcome to them. We welcome them with joy into the life and ministry of our congregation here and celebrate their presence with us. Let us pray. Merciful and loving God, you have called each of us by name and you hold each of us through your love. We ask now that you watch over each of these, your beloved children, that as they grow, you would be guiding them every step of the way. Increase their compassion for others, inspire them to make a difference in the world, and help them to know that they are each one of your beloved children. Help their parents as they teach their faith to them and help us as a church to support them in doing so. May love and joy be a constant presence in their families and may they be continually inspired by you, holy God. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Friends, may the grace of God, the love of Christ, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you each, now and always. Amen. Let us pray. Loving God, fountain of every blessing, open us to your life-giving word and fill us with your Holy Spirit so that living water may flow through our hearts, a spring of hope for a thirsty world. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior, amen. Our scripture reading this morning is from the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 56, verses 1 through 8. Listen now for God's word to us. Thus says the Lord, maintain justice and do what is right, for soon my salvation will come and my deliverance will be revealed. Happy is the mortal who does this, the one who holds it fast who keeps the Sabbath, not profaning it, and refrains from doing any evil. Do not let the foreigner join to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. 
And do not let the eunuch say, I am just a dry tree. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord, to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord, and to be his servants, all who keep the Sabbath and do not profane it, and hold fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. Thus says the Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel, I will gather others to them besides those already gathered. For thus says the Lord, to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. The word of the Lord. Our second reading this morning comes from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 13, beginning with the 54th verse. Listen for the word of the Lord. Jesus came to his hometown and began to teach the people in their synagogue so that they were astounded and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these deeds of power? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And are not all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all this? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, Prophets are not without honor except in their own country and in their own house. And he did not do many deeds of power there because of their unbelief. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. First of all, I would like to take a moment to thank you for hosting me today. It is a joy to be with you. I moved from the East Coast to Minneapolis in the summer of 2020, which was quite a time to move. And I actually haven't gotten to do much travel, so this is my first time in Chicago. So thank you for the invitation and the introduction to your home. I promise you I will be back. I bring greetings and gratitude from the Covenant Network of Presbyterians, though, of course, Forth is blessed to have a long relationship with the Covenant Network and one of our board members on your staff. Though the work of the Covenant Network has shifted, 
as the Presbyterian Church USA has changed its policies around same gender marriage and the ordination of LGBTQIA individuals, there is still so much work to be done to ensure that people of all genders and sexualities are truly embraced and experience God's love in our churches. And we are grateful for your witness and your support. There is also something surreal and beautiful about being able to do this kind of work openly in churches, receiving invitations like this, that honestly I did not think would be possible in my lifetime. I am a person who is attracted to all genders. I am a person whose gender identity falls outside of the man-woman binary. I use words like transgender and non-binary to describe myself. I am part of the group that reclaims the word queer. Not everyone in the community is comfortable using that particular word, but for me, reclaiming this slur is a way of saying, yes, I am different. Yes, I may seem strange to many of you. And that is something to be celebrated. Growing up with these identities swirling inside of me, even before I learned the language to name them, and growing up in the church, it was unimaginable that someone like me would be standing in a pulpit. Now I must say I was lucky, and I do say lucky, not blessed, because I do not believe that God decided to bless me and not others like me who grew up in less affirming spaces. I grew up deeply in the church. I, my parents are both church musicians, so I spent more time at the church than the preacher's kids did. I grew up in the South, so I grew up in a time and a place where not only did marriage equality sound like an impossible dream, but where sodomy laws were still actively on the books. And yet, I also grew up with supportive parents, with a pastor who years later would be brought up on ecclesiastical charges for officiating a same-gender wedding, and in a church that put love first. The congregation was definitely mixed on whether or not same-gender attraction was a sin, but I felt sure that even those who disagreed with who I am loved and cared for me as a human being first. Upon leaving my hometown, I moved to New York City, where there was certainly no shortage of affirming churches. Compared to so many people with similar identities, I had it so easy. But even with that almost as affirming as you could possibly get at the time background, I carry my own baggage. The pain and grief and weight that comes with the territory of being LGBTQ plus in this religion and in this country. The idea that my sexuality was incompatible with Christian teaching did and still does permeate this culture. I cannot remember a time where I did not have to justify my presence in the church. While my peers got to focus their energy on developing their relationship with God, I spent mine trying to make people see why I would even be allowed to have a relationship with God. I joke about it now, about how I knew more about the book of Leviticus than any fifth grader should have to know about the book of Leviticus when I was that age. 
But the sad fact is that some of the first Bible verses I ended up memorizing were the verses that were thrown at me to prove that my being was sinful. At the same time, I couldn't square those verses with the loving God I heard the preachers talk about in worship. So I dove in thinking, somewhere there must be more. And the church didn't really help me out with that search. The best I got was, it's not wrong to be gay, which is a far cry from actual celebration of queer identity as sacred, beloved, as a part of, God who, of, of who God made me to be. I followed this yearning all the way to seminary, and I graduated still wondering, where am I in this text? What in this holy wisdom, holy word, is there for me, not just as a byproduct, as crumbs the dogs eat from the master's table, but a table spread for me in the presence of my enemies? By the time we get to this story in Matthew, of Jesus preaching in his hometown, we are already almost halfway through the gospel. Jesus has already been baptized by John, tempted in the wilderness. He's already called the disciples. He has done many miracles. He's preached the Sermon on the Mount, one of his greatest hits, and gotten in trouble with some of the religious leaders of the day for doing things like healing on the Sabbath. Jesus is well into his ministry by the time he comes home to Nazareth. And I have to wonder what it was like for him as he returned home to the buildings and the streets that he knew so well, he could walk them in his sleep, to the synagogue where he had learned and joined in faith, tradition, and community, to the people he grew up with, played with, probably mended furniture for, whose houses he'd gone over to for dinner, and whose children he'd gotten scraped knees with, the people who cared for him in that way that we care for those who we knew as babies who have suddenly shot up like a weed and that makes us feel uncomfortably older. I wonder what he hoped for his time teaching there in Nazareth. He had spread words of life already to many who had come to hear. He had sat with those in need of healing and helped them find wholeness. He must have wanted to do that here amongst people he knew and loved and who knew and loved him. He would have known the ailments and the illnesses that no one believed could ever go away. He would have known who needed hope, who needed guidance, who needed encouragement. And here he was, ready to teach, to heal, to proclaim good news for the captive and freedom for the oppressed. Here he was to tell of a God working for liberation, who blesses those who are persecuted, who gathers the outcasts. And his own people could not hear it. They saw him standing there and they could not erase the image of the person who he had once been. They knew him, they thought, child of Mary and Joseph. Who does he think he is? They knew who he really was. They knew him better than he knew himself, they thought. 
A couple years ago, I was happy for and admittedly a little bit jealous of the generation that is growing up now, who have access to so much language about gender identity. If I had heard of the idea of non-binary gender identity back then, my high school and college experience would have been far less confusing. But in the past year or so, my heart has just broken for them. Once again, I am lucky, living in a state that is actively working to become a refuge state for trans people, while I'm hearing horror stories of legislation after awful legislation coming from so many places across this country that seek to erase the existence of people like us. And even though I know that there are many of these laws that won't ultimately be passed, this onslaught of anti-transgender legislation is speaking loud and clear, saying, we know who you are. You are who you always have been. We know you better than you know yourself. You cannot be this. And it is impacting people's lives. According to the FBI's hate crime data, nearly one in five instances of any hate crime today includes anti-LGBTQ bias as a motivator. The Trevor Project, a suicide prevention organization for LGBTQ youth, found in a recent poll that 88% of trans and non-binary youth have experienced negative effects on their mental health due to the debates surrounding the, this legislation. And when I went to the Trevor Project's website to pull that statistic, I was greeted with a pop-up informing me that I could press the escape key three times quickly to immediately close the website, a measure that was put in place for those who cannot even safely access a website that offers them help staying alive. And look, you might not agree with me or everything that I say here today, but I hope we can all agree that if the way this conversation is happening causes more kids to think about hurting themselves or ending their lives, that is a problem. That is not what God intended. And I keep going back to that last line of today's text in Matthew, and he did not do many deeds of power there because of their unbelief. I don't th think that Jesus needed their belief for his miracles to work or something like that. And I don't think that Jesus was refusing to do deeds of power because he was pouting that they didn't believe. I read these words and I just know how hard it is to do your best work to be your best self if you cannot bring all of who you are with you. When there is something that makes you always need to prove your worth. One of the most beautiful parts of the Reformed tradition is our belief that our own worth has no bearing on God's love for us. We cannot earn God's love. We cannot lose it. God's love is a gift freely bestowed to us, period. But when people look at you with disgust, it's hard not to feel unworthy. 
when people actively seek to erase you from the world, to keep you from living out your full God-given identity, it is hard not to feel unworthy. When you just want to live and share your gifts, to celebrate the love and perspective that God has given you, and you are met with people saying you are a perversion, a predator, a phase, a trend, a mistake. I remember times in my own life when I have been rejected for who I am. I look around today at the backlash particularly targeted towards trans and gender nonconforming people, and I wonder about the ache in Jesus' heart that came from being rejected by people who he knew and loved, who could not see past what they thought they knew about him in order to see, learn, and experience who he truly was. This intimate and personal rejection that so many of us know, our Savior knows it too. There is something here in this book for me, for us, a resonance for all of us who know what it's like to have to justify our space in the church and the world. And diving in the message that Jesus spread, the hope and freedom and welcome and belonging is one that so many of us have been waiting our entire lives to hear. This message Christ came to share reaches farther back than even Jesus' time on earth. The seeds are sown in some of our earliest scriptures. God creating us in their image. A God who can only be defined as I am, as pure existence. To the first lesson we heard today were groups of people who had been historically forbidden from entering the temple. You can find the verse forbidding them in Deuteronomy 23, being given a place and a title better than sons or daughters, a line that hits those of us who are not sons or daughters in a beautiful way. To that vision of peace in Isaiah, that we read every advent of the wolf lying down with the lamb, this image that shatters the laws of nature, the binary of predator and prey to create an unnatural and I would say queer vision of peace. To all the unexpected ways that God shows up in Christ, the paradox and impossibility of being both human and divine, the holy mystery of the Trinity, to the strangeness of the God of creation coming as a vulnerable baby, eventually riding towards death on a donkey instead of conquering on a war horse, and ultimately shattering the binary of death and life, whose followers kept being called throughout the chronicles of the early church that we find in the book of Acts to let more and more people in. From the Ethiopian eunuch, who was certainly not allowed full participation in religious community at that time, to the Gentiles, who the disciples were always told that they should never associate with. These images are so familiar to us that we miss the strangeness the unexpectedness, how queer this story is. It is all right here in this book that we hold sacred. This story is for us, for all of us, 
not in spite of the identities we hold, but because of them, in them, and through them. May we all know, may you know, that you are beloved by God. God who says, I know you, I see you, I have your name, your true name, inscribed on the palm of my hand. I knit you together and I know your inmost thoughts and fears and secrets and joys and pains. No matter what comes, no matter what is falsely said and done in my name, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Thanks be to God. Amen. Join me in saying what it is we believe using the words from a brief statement of faith. In life and in death we belong to God. Through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit, we trust in the one triune God, the Holy One of Israel, whom alone we worship and serve. We trust in Jesus Christ fully human, fully God. Jesus proclaimed the reign of God, preaching good news to the poor and release to the captives, teaching by word and deed and blessing the children, healing the sick 
and binding up the brokenhearted, eating with outcasts, forgiving sinners, and calling all to repent and believe the gospel. We trust in God, whom Jesus called Abba, Father. In sovereign love, God created the world good and makes everyone equally in God's image, male and female, of every race and people to live as one community, like a mother who will not forsake her nursing child, like a father who runs to welcome the prodigal home. God is faithful still. We trust in God, the Holy Spirit, everywhere the giver and renewer of life. The Spirit justifies us by grace through faith, sets us free to accept ourselves and to love God and neighbor, and binds us together with all believers in the one body of Christ, the Church. With believers in every time and place, we rejoice that nothing in life or in death can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. May be seated. Let us pray for the needs of the world, saying, Gracious God, and responding, Hear our prayer. God of all goodness, we give thanks for the newness you give each of us every day. We thank you for your surprises for the people you put in our paths to show us new dimensions of your faithfulness. Gracious God, hear our prayer. We give you thanks for all people of faith, for churches everywhere, for the differing insights into your will offered and proclaimed by many teachers to guide and refresh your people. Gracious God, hear our prayer. We thank you for all nations, for racial and ethnic differences, for the variety of languages, foods, and lands that you have created. Mold us into people who praise you for the marvels you set before us. Help us not to fear distinctions, but to embrace them as your gifts. Gracious God, hear our prayer. Soften us, Lord, so that we are able to enter into others' pain. When we are healthy, make us grateful. When we are in need, help us to receive the care of others. Gracious God, hear our prayer. We pray for those who suffer, for those who have no home, for all who lack enough food, for people who have no work or work that is not life-giving. We pray for all who live in fear and for all who hunger for peace and do not know where to turn. Gracious God, hear our prayer. We pray for all the needs that we name now silently in our hearts. Fill us, O God, with your power. Make us whole so that we journey with complete faith. Into your hands we commend all who need our prayers. 
trusting in your compassion through Christ Jesus, our Savior and Lord. Hear our prayer now as we pray the words that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. God, who knows all of our needs and all of our wants, gives us all that we have and invites us to give in gratitude and joy so that we can bless others as we have been blessed. Let us worship God through our offerings in thankfulness and in love. Our morning offering will now be received.
dedication. Holy One, receive these offerings as you receive our lives. Gather our false starts and uncertain efforts, our generosity and our reluctance. Enliven us with your breath and make your purposes known that our lives might show forth your glory. For we pray in the name of Jesus and by the power of your spirit. Amen. week, know beyond any shadow of a doubt that you are beloved, all of who you are, by the God who created you, by the God who walks with you, and by the God who goes before you to clear the way. And may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of God's Son, Jesus Christ. And may the blessings of God Almighty, Creator, Christ, and Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you this day and always. Alleluia. Amen. <laughs>